What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is literally going to transform your life. Jeff Woods is the vice president of the One Thing Company and Brand. He is the host of the One Thing podcast with over 300 powerful episodes. The book, The One Thing, has transformed my personal life and my business. We discuss changing the way you view time, how to be a leader in your home, and how to ask questions that will help you become the person you desire to be. Enjoy this powerful conversation with my friend, Jeff. Okay, everybody, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. So stoked right now to be talking to Jeff Woods. Jeff, what's up? How are you? Doing well, my friend. Yourself? I am so pumped right now. I know we both have this great energy going right now, and I want to kick this off differently. So right off the bat, you are VP of the One Thing brand, the One Thing philosophy. You are the host of the One Thing podcast. Um, I got to see you speak this year at Front Row Dad's event, and you just were on fire, living your core values, living the One Thing life. And so I've been really excited to talk to you about it. But I want to start with a quick story, okay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So as things go, you were just talking to our friend Justin Donald, and Justin had sent me a marriage planning thing that he has done with his wife for some years. So mm-hmm. my wife, Sarah, and I, on January 22nd of this year, did his marriage planning thing. And at the end of it, we wrote down, what is our one thing for the year? Our one thing for the year was to solve our son's breathing problem. He's 12. And this has been an issue for, for years, especially the last three years. Okay. So I've read the one thing book. I've been living the philosophy the last year, but my wife and I said, what's the one thing this year? It's our son's breathing. Okay. So fast forward to today. And I haven't even announced this on the podcast. I am now living in Hawaii from Northern California. And I had no thought in my mind on January 22nd that I would be living here on June or sorry, it's July, July 14th, 15th, that I'd be living in Hawaii with my son's breathing problems solved because we made it the one thing for the year. Hold on, I push a button for you. (laughs) Dude, uh, first and foremost, congratulations. I want to ask you some questions about that. I think it's important to point out a few things. One, you knew that I'm, I'm assuming that the breathing problem was a result of living in Northern California. It was. Yes. Okay. So living in Hawaii had, was never anything of serious consideration prior to beginning of this year. We had spent two months here last year and had decided that it wasn't feasible for this to be the place. Although we knew this would solve his problem. What did sitting down and actually setting goals together do to make that happen. It put us on the same page to the same page 
I put this on a one page document, everything we came up with within bold on the top, solve Brody's breathing problem. And it was on my bathroom mirror. And I didn't even ask her to do it. I gave her a copy and this is unlike my wife. She put it in her uh, walk-in closet up on the board where she would see it every day. We made it our one thing focus, man. So you, you, you got two things. One, you both got clarity and you got alignment. Mm. And that suddenly started to make what's saying yes to a lot easier. Yes. And we had to go back to that one thing regularly. When we started getting caught up in like, oh my gosh, we're selling both our homes. Oh my gosh, we're selling all of our stuff. Oh my God. You know, like list goes on. Um, we'd come back to, you know, there was one night in particular where in the chaos of me buying a house here and, and just the utter chaos of it. And I walked past my son's room at, you know, 4.30 a.m. when I got up and I heard him breathing <sighs> in his room because he's asleep, right? And I'm like, that's it. That's it. So it was like this constant reminder. That's the reason. So when all the other roadblocks came, it was the reminder. Me. Congratulations. Um, I've experienced similar things in my life of mm. things that really matter to us that are nice someday goals. We'd love that to happen someday from now, but when you and the people who matter most, i.e. significant other actually don't just set goals individually, but you align your goals. It is amazing how fast you can make progress. I know. I feel like it's July and uh, the, my, my main goal for the year is done. So like what's next? Yeah, it's, time to, it's time to think bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just had to get that because I needed people to hear the value of this right now to go. I'm, I got to hear this. I got to dig into what the one thing is. I got to go listen to Jeff's podcast. I got to get the book. Uh, This has to become a priority for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So let's dig into who is Jeff. So Jeff, where do you live right now? I live in Denver. All right. And how many years have you been married? I have been married. This uh, September will be our eight-year anniversary. Love it. And how many kiddos do you got? Two kids. Two kids, two cats, two dogs. Oh, you're a planner. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, All right, all right. And then we've kind of introduced what you do, but if you could just kind of expand on that for a couple minutes, what is it that you do for a living with the one thing philosophy and brand? Yeah. Um, we change the way people view time mm. and, here's what we, and here's what we mean by this. Time is our most valuable resource. And every single person listening to this has a problem. That problem is they're spending their time. They show up to work, whether it's a, in their home or go into an office, they fire up their computer. And what's the first thing they check? Their email. Till they go to their very first problem probably <laughs> problem meeting they get out oh, of it yeah they got five minutes so they check their email instagram facebook then somebody calls and says hey do you got a minute and because they're a team player they say yeah come on in let's talk and they fast forward to the end of the day knowing they were really busy but deep down questioning what they actually got done mm. they spent <sighs> their time we changed that We help you, whether you're an individual or across an entire organization, create a world where people invest their time and hold Mm. it accountable to a return because they get clarity on the things that matter most. And they actually have time on their calendar to do the most important things, period. 
Beautiful. I mean, the way you said change the way you view time. Now, this is why I I started our conversation off with what has done for me and my family, because I, I feel as though some dads would would unfortunately miss when they'd see the cover of the book or they'd see the podcast. They go, this is for businesses. This is for business owners. Oh my gosh. No, this is for people. There's nothing like business is great, but your most important, valuable piece in front of you is your family. And so to, to be able to implement what we're going to talk about today as a father will change the world. That's right. That's right. So on a practical stance, you you are leading the one thing. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and, yeah, and so, then let's get into it. So little little background. I co-founded this company with the co-authors of the book. So it was written by Gary Keller and Jay Papazan. Gary was the co-founder of Keller Williams, largest real estate mm-hmm. company in the world. The, this is how he lived his life. It's how he grew Keller Williams from a small little real estate company in the world to largest real estate company in the world and became a self-made billionaire as a result. Jay's co-author. When the book became one of the highest rated business books of all time, Gary and Jay looked at each other and said, holy smokes, there's a company here and we have a problem because Gary's one thing is running Keller Williams. Jay's one thing is writing books with Gary. And they said, okay, we're missing somebody whose one thing is the one thing. At the time I was in medical device sales, which was a great job. I woke up every day running through hospitals selling a device that actually saved lives. Yet I was at this place where even though things were good, I, not only was I lacking fulfillment, I knew I was meant for more. Hmm. And that really bothered me knowing that, Hey, I've reached this position in the sales world. That's pretty coveted. It's like the pinnacle, like medical sales and tech sales, like getting to the top of either of those is kind of the pinnacle. You don't really go anywhere else. And I'm going, no, man, I'm meant for more. But I have these great golden handcuffs on. And I, never, right. and I didn't have enough pain to make a change. Two things happened in my life. A colleague had a stroke when he was 35. Wow. At the, at the time, my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County, just had our first child, and my wife decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I remember standing in my kitchen wondering, what would happen to my family if what happened to my colleague happened to me? Hmm. That because was the very, stress, Because the stress of the, the job? what happens if I'm no longer here or yeah. what happens if I'm yeah. not able to work? Yeah. Sure. My wife can go get another job, but her earning power is not the same as mine. Right. Just based on skill set. And that's nothing against her. Like she has her entire life wanted to be a homemaker and she's great at it. Um, that was unsettling. And then the next week, my company made a change to our commission structure and overnight I lost 40% of my income. Wow. You put those two things back to back. Not only do I realize I'm trading hours for dollars, I also realize that my quote mm. secure job is actually not secure because I'm not in control of my income. That's huge. And that, that was enough pain to force me to start asking different questions, which led to searching for different answers. I was introduced to the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I realized, my gosh, I have five amazing friends, but I have zero amazing mentors. I'm not surrounded by people who are where I want to be. And that set me on a journey. I started a podcast called The Mentee. I was recording private conversations with my mentors, hopefully to go from employee to entrepreneur. And little did I know that would take less than 10 months. Because a few months after I launched the show, Jay was the keynote speaker at our national sales meeting. 
And the whole time he's talking on stage, he's talking about the one thing. He's talking about how Gary lived this to, to truly live a life of extraordinary results. And I'm just thinking, how do I get a guy like Gary or Jay to be one of my five? And when he came off stage, I cornered him. That began a relationship. And lo and behold, they had been hunting for somebody whose one thing would be the one thing. And that became my opportunity. So November 1st, 2015, the three of us co-founded this company. And um, I have been at the helm growing it ever since. And it has just been such an amazing ride. Man, there's so many things we could dig into. So I know. let's talk about the clarity piece for a minute. Yeah. Because right now we're sharing two stories, right? People hear this, you know, in a book, they see it in a movie, they hear it from somebody they don't really know. But you and I just shared two things that when we got clear on what we wanted, it, it showed up. Is that is that it? It, it showed up or were uh, we there for it? No. Yeah. It's like when I, it's like when people talk about um, luck, it's like when you're standing at the corner of opportunity and preparation, mm. it didn't show up. It did not show up for you. You had a problem. You and your wife got clear and aligned. And because you got clarity on what to say yes to, it started making saying no to certain things a lot easier. Just like any one of us, if we got a call right now, you're listening to this podcast. If you got a call from your significant other that your kid was in the hospital, would you still be listening to me talking right now? No, you'd pause because you'd be so clear on what you should be saying yes to that saying no to this would be effortless. That's what happened mm. with you and your wife. You got so clear. You're one thing, solving your son's breathing problems. So selling your stuff, selling your homes, moving, doing all the hard things suddenly weren't as hard because you were clear on what to say yes to. Same thing happened with me. I was unclear what to say yes to, which is why I continued to live below my potential mm. in medical device sales until. My colleague has a stroke and my income gets slashed. And now it is clear. I need to say yes to starting a business and taking the actions that will start me down that path. And when the mm. opportunity was presented, I remember having a conversation with one of my coworkers. He goes, man, you're quitting an amazing job to go start a company. That's so risky. And when he said that, I remember going, holy smokes. I think he's the one who's at risk. He's the one who's sticking in the nine to five without any control. I'm going and partnering with a billionaire. What could be less risky? And I'm getting paid to learn. <laughs> what could right. be less risky? It, it's worked out okay for me. Yeah. So this leads me to a thought, a question, you know, say a dad's listening to this and they, um, you know, they've been doing the same mundane day in, day out for years they may or may not want to start a business. What do you what do you think is a place to start for these guys to even go, what do you want? Like, I think that <laughs> question alone is like, oh my God, I can't even look at myself in the mirror and answer that because I'm just hiding from it. So I said something earlier that I need to bring up. I started asking myself bigger questions, which led to me searching for bigger answers. I've been there asking mm. myself the question, what kind of business do I want to start? The answer was, I don't know. Mm. Because I didn't know most people, that is an excuse to not take action. 
because they don't see the path. They don't begin the path. I did. But that's not the point, right? The point isn't to figure the path out. The point is to ask the question. That's right. Uh, And this is one of the greatest gifts I've gotten being in business with Gary is learning the power of asking bigger questions. It's one of the most deadly skills that I have learned over the last five and a half years. It's what allows me to bring value to the type of people that I get to bring value to is I ask them bigger questions that they don't know the answer to. And I create a space where they can actually start searching. Okay. I remember. So, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 keep go. going. Go. I remember asking what kind of business do I want to start? I don't know. But again, the pain, the reason why was bigger than the excuse of not knowing the answer. And I found myself asking, okay, well, what can I do? Little did I realize I was already starting to live the one thing. Well, what's one thing Mm. I can't do? Mm. I can at least start surrounding myself with people who have started businesses and just start to get to know them to learn about their journey. And hopefully that will open some doors or reveal a path. Okay, well, what's one thing I can do to make that happen? I can start going to meetup groups. I can start investing my money in attending masterminds. And that's where it all happened. That's Mm. what started the journey. All the dominoes fell from there. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) two things out of this. One is I've sat around a dinner table with you and I've heard you ask questions. And I (laughs) was, was shocked at the questions that you were coming up with, which is clearly a craft for you right? Which is something that you're continuously. So tell me about asking yourself questions because, you know, a dad right now might go, I want to be a better husband, which is a terrible question. Probably that's actually not even a question. That's a statement. This is, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna prepare you for mind blown. (laughs) Just just (laughs) about to explode. What do you think the purpose of a goal is? I think the typical answer would be to accomplish whatever it is that it was. Most people would say to achieve a result. And I remember Gary teaching a class, asking that question, and the audience gave that answer to achieve a result. And he said, see, this is where you're wrong. Mm -hmm. The purpose of a goal is not to achieve a result. It's to be appropriate in the moment. Here's what that means. The goal should be a compass for how you have to behave today to be in alignment with that goal. It's about who you can become to earn the right to achieve that goal. Therefore, I found myself asking, who did Gary Keller have to become to become Gary Mm. Keller? What are the things that Gary mastered to get him where he is today? And one of the things that I have observed is he has an amazing ability to attract and retain some of the most extraordinary talent in the world. Okay, that's really big. So let's go smaller. Well, what's one thing he did to make attracting and retaining extraordinary talent easier or unnecessary? He had to be able to show them how they could have everything they want by being inside his world. Okay, still too big. Well, what's one thing he could do that made that happen? He had to master asking deadly questions. Hmm. Questions that are so big that you don't immediately know the answer to, that the moment you answer it, they go, huh, great question. And then they feel their mind go, because it's getting Hmm. stretched. 
So what's the one thing he did to master asking great questions? He had to start asking great questions. Well, what's the one thing he did to start asking great questions? He had to start asking a bunch of questions. And I kept whittling it down to a lead domino. You know, when you line all the dominoes, it's the first one. It's tiny. You just flick it over, but everything else falls. And I made this my one thing that I turned into a habit during a period of time in my life. My one thing every day was to ask one question a day when I naturally would have told. Ooh. So in a conversation. Uh Uh-huh. Because in conversations with our kids, with our spouses, with our team, people ask us questions and we give them the answers because it's faster or we don't trust them to think for themselves. But Mm. what we do is we rob them of teaching them how to think and them actually owning their answer. And so every day when I would naturally want to give somebody the answer, I would pause and I would ask them a question instead. And by knocking that domino down every day, I started to learn what questions are the questions that stop people dead in their tracks. Hmm. I figured out what the recipe was to that. I started leveraging those more and more and more to the point that this is one of my secret weapons. When I look at what I do inside of companies in terms of working with the leadership team to help expand their vision, to help create more clarity, more focus. All I'm doing is showing up and asking questions. Literally this morning, we did a a workshop. It's one of the largest steel manufacturers in the world. They got 40,000 employees. I've been advising the chairman of the board for the last year. I've got the chairman and his top 100 leaders out of 40,000 people. And after two hours, he said, Jeff, This is crazy. I literally reviewed my business plan two hours before. I looked at the same stuff that you're looking at. And I see, I saw none of the things that have been highlighted during this conversation. Why? Because I just knew what questions to ask. And it all started because I understood the purpose of a goal is not the result. It's to be appropriate in the moment. And I became the type of person who could master asking great questions changed everything. So then the question that these fathers need to start asking themselves, it's not, it is, is who do I want to be? Everyone on here who's listening to this probably wants to be an extraordinary father. I don't think anybody who's listening to this is waking up and saying, I want to be an average dad. Give me a trophy. I want to be average. Give me a participation award. No, you're listening to this because you want to be better than average. You want to be great. You want to be extraordinary. So here's a deadly question. Who's the person you have to become Hmm. to become an extraordinary father? That means you got to go to work on yourself, which... I want to bring up this quote to make there. Hold on. The point to make there. Most people that we just asked that question to do not know the answer. The mistake is to just go, I don't know, and continue on with your life. The opportunity is to either pause the episode and like rewind and pause the episode and search or pause the episode, write that question down so you can have a thinking time block where you will actually sit down with a pen and paper and literally invest five minutes in journaling your answer. 
watch what happens. And I think the point you're making is enormous because when we say that question is too big, I, it, it, but if, if I make the one thing, pen, paper, five minute timer, all of a sudden you, you, you start, it's going to come. But that, and, and that one thing is simple. It's so simple. But the problem yeah. is, is we're thinking about the whole big piece of what this means instead of just that initial domino. Think big, go small, trust the dominoes will fall. And I want to say a quote, and, and I heard you say this, is leadership starts with self-leadership. Mm-hmm. So if the dude on here, which they are, is saying, I want to be an extraordinary father, you know, sometimes we're looking for the tools and the tricks and the little mini goals to then appear as though. And what you're saying is it ain't about that. I took my kid fishing on Saturday, check it off the box. I'm a great dad now because the guy I listened to two weeks ago on the podcast took his kid fishing. That's the wrong way to look at a goal. You're looking at the result versus you leading yourself to be the man who has the right to be an extraordinary father. Asking the question, who's the person I need to become to become an extraordinary father? Giving yourself the space to search for that answer, getting them out. And when you get answers, you ask, okay, well, based on that, what's the one thing I can do to make that happen? You start knocking that domino down. Mm -hmm. Man. (laughs) All right. Well, all right, everybody, we could go now. This is uh, enough work for you. Um, I warned you. uh, (laughs) stretching our mind. That's, that's the thing is right now we are growing right now. We are earning that right. We are, we are putting the work in. And I, and I need to point something out because I have to give credit where credit is due. None of the ideas I'm sharing with you are my ideas. It all comes from Gary. It comes from a, a result of me realizing, okay, I need to get purposeful about surrounding myself with people who are where I want to be and being a great mentee. Because I've shown up as a great mentee and surrounded myself with great mentors, I've gotten to get to the other side where I now get to reach back and grab the hands of other people and help pull them forward. And I think that goes back to the whole the whole way that your transition happened is while you're at your job that you know you want to transition from, you start a podcast with mentors. And so you're getting mentors. And if you were to go ask those guys the same question, they probably have a list of people that help shape them. So I think in business, it's easy to go, okay, I see why you guys need a mentor because you're in business. But if we're asking even harder questions such as, what kind of husband do I want to be? What kind of father do I want to be? And and like we're getting down to those questions. You, we could go find mentors in those areas. And I think the 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 thing you did was, so here's the one thing. Go write down your five closest people. Do any of them look like uh, the extraordinary husband or father that you want to be? And if the answer is no to that, they could still be your friends, which is key that I think you said, because I've heard other people just cut everyone out of their life. They're still your friends, but you went and sought mentors like, hey, Jeff is a great dad. What is, I'm going to go spend some time with him. So talk to me about that. When we are young, our best friends are our everything. They're the person we go to literally for everything. Every question goes to them. When we need guidance, we go to them. They, they, they are our panacea. They're the everything. But as you grow up, as you mature, as we advance in our careers with our families, you start to 
well, most people actually don't realize they still go to people who um, they solicit advice from people who are not qualified to give it. Mm. And that became abundantly clear to me. I, when I was trying to figure out how to start a company and I was going to my close friends on how to start a business, they weren't qualified to advise me. They hadn't started business. And frankly, most of them were extremely risk averse. I'm talking like attorneys. They were not right, the right. right people to advise me. Those people are still in my life, but I redefined what that relationship is. They are not my mentors mm. in business. They're my close friends. When I want to catch up and just hang out and have a good time and talk about life, I go to them. But if I want to talk about how to grow a great business, I go to people that have grown great businesses. And if I want to talk about how to be an extraordinary father, I go to people who I view as extraordinary fathers. If I want to talk about fitness, I don't go to the person that has poor health habits. I go to the person that has great health habits, period. So I think there's a really key component right here, especially when it comes to, to fatherhood and marriage is in our culture, we've sort of lost this art of I'm going to have, you know, if I'm 38 years old, that I that I go to somebody who's been married 30 years and allow them to speak in my life. So that means that I have a friend, a mentor that's 55, 65, 70 years. We kind of have stuck with our own. It's almost like school trained us. Like I only work with other, you know, 40 year olds. I only have relationships with other 40 year olds. So have you found that you have sought mentorship from like people who've done a lot of life before you? Yes and no. There hmm. are, you, Doing a lot of life doesn't necessarily mean that you've lived a lot of years. Uh, talk to me about that. That's, that's, that's important to note. I know plenty of people who are double my age that in certain ways I'm well past them hmm. because of who I've surrounded myself with and what I've learned from them. I've, I, the thing that the gift that I got from my mentors is I collapsed time. I could not on my own have learned what I've learned from Gary and Jay in the last five and a half years in my entire lifetime. Could not have wow. done it. Wow. Because of the scale of what Gary has accomplished, the things that I have gotten exposed to, there, I would have never had that opportunity in an entire lifetime to even scratch the surface that was handed to me on a silver platter in day one. Wow. So you can look to somebody who's, quote, older than you. It doesn't mean that they're wiser than you, and it doesn't mean that they're qualified to advise you. So when you're looking for a mentor, what are you looking for? I'm looking for people who have expertise in an area that I need help. Hmm. Which means before you can find a mentor, you have to get clarity on where you need help most. And you can't, you can look at every area of your life and identify holes in all of them. And it's a mistake to try to find mentors in all of them because you won't, you won't make progress. You pick one area and you start and then you earn the right to move the needle and focus and make progress in that area. And then you earn the right to, to focus on the next one. But the thing is you, you can't divide your focus. You will not make progress. Cause here's the other thing. I remember asking a mentor of mine, why do you keep meeting with me? I'm not paying the dude. Why do you keep meeting with me? The guy's wicked successful. And he said, oh, that's simple. You give me a great return on the investment of my time. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, here's the thing. This guy would go and he'd speak on stages and he would all, always say, I'll help any one of you. 
If you need help, come grab me after stage. I'd be happy to, to advise and mentor you. He would say it from stage and he would get a line, hundreds of people long asking for his time. And I go, Dave, you don't have that much time. You're booked, you're busy. And he goes, I know. I said, so how do you decide who you're actually gonna invest in? And he said, simple. When you asked if we could sit down, what did I tell you to do? I said, you said, yes, meet me at Starbucks Sunday at 6.45 a.m. 6.45 on a Sunday. And he said, yes, what did you do? I said, I showed up to Starbucks at 6.35 a.m. 10 minutes early. I'm right, yep. Right? He says, it doesn't matter. When somebody asks for me to invest my time in them, I give them a task. Bring me your business plan. Meet me at Starbucks at 6.45. Give me your left shoe. 99.99999% of people won't do it. I know they're missing out. And he said, you give me a great investment on my time because you show up, you ask for help. I give you guidance. You always put it into action. You circle back. You tell me what happened. You say, thank you. And you say, thank you, sir. May I have another? You cannot go and look for mentors in every area of your life because you cannot give that many people an ROI on their time. Yeah. Yeah. You do not have enough time to take action in every area of your life. So start with one, get guidance, take action, circle back, say thank you, and ask for help again. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. That people want to share their time. I mean, you, you, people want to share it, but you got to show up. Uh, I, I hope you dudes listening are really catching that. If you see somebody that you want to be a mentor, go ask them. And I mean, I've asked, I've asked plenty of people. I've got a couple no's, but I've got a lot of yeses and I got a lot of deep relationships because of it. Yep. Yep. And, and I've even woven that into my talk track when I was still in what I call the mentor hunting phase where I would show up and say, I would love to seek some guidance from you. I don't know what value I can bring to you yet, but here's what I can promise you. I will give you an amazing ROI on your time. Can we meet? Can we sit down so that I can seek some counsel from you? I've never gotten shut down. Mm, dude, powerful, powerful. Okay, we could keep rapping forever. So I'm going <laughs> to jump into some of my questions that I want to ask you. Um, when you think of the role of the father for you, just in simple, what do you yeah. think the role of the father is? Uh, I use this interchangeably with leader. So this is synonymous with being a leader in business. Mm. You're being a leader in your family. Uh, a job of a leader is to teach people how to think. Period. And, and that's a lot different than what to think. Teaching people how to think independently so, of you so they can get what they need when they need it. So your role as a father or as a parent is to teach your kids how to think, not what to think. So they can make decisions. They have a thought process. They can run independently of you so they can get what they need when they need it. So why is that important? So we hear it. It sounds good. What they need when they need it. Why is that important? Don't you want your kids to achieve their dreams? I do. Do you want your kids to have a mediocre life? Do you want them to lay on their deathbed with regret? No. No. That happens when people don't know how to turn their dreams into reality. So you're not going to be there to tell them what to do. And frankly, if you are, you actually won't be there because they're going to stiff arm you. Mm. They're going to push you away. So the opportunity is to teach them how to think 
So when they want something or need something, they can they have a thought process, they can get it. I'll give you a perfect example. Daphne's eight. Mm-hmm. She comes to me now when she wants something. She used to, I mean, when she was really little, daddy, I want this. Then it was, daddy, what can I do to earn money to buy this? To, daddy, I want to buy this so this weekend I'm going to knock on doors and start a car washing service so I can get enough money to go buy this. Eight. She's coming up with the solutions. Teach him how to think. Which goes back to your original comment of asking questions, which then actually frees you up to not be the yes. guy with the answers. Yes. How many of us, how, can you remember a time in your life where somebody told you what to do and even though it was the right thing, the fact that they told you, you immediately felt resistance. That's how yeah, I'm we don't we don't want advice. Why do our kids become rebellious? Because we're trying to give them advice versus teaching them how to think. Yeah, yeah. I remember this was in the middle of me forming the habit of asking questions instead of giving answers. I was focusing on applying it in business in about 20 something days in. And the reason I can say that is because I was tracking it. I knew mm-hmm. that if I could do this every day for roughly 66 days, it would be, become a habit because it takes on average 66 days to form a habit. That's research-based. It's not 21. It's not 30. It's 66. Heads up. <laughs> I remember about halfway through my 66-day challenge, getting my daughter to go to bed was like World War Three. <laughs> every night, it was just like, Daphne, go to bed. And I was about to scream and lose it. And something came over me and said, Jeff, ask a question. And mm. I took a breath and I went, Daphne, how are you feeling right now? And she, and by the way, X, that was my one thing. I asked the question and she went a little tired. I went, well, honey, what's one thing you can do so you won't be tired anymore? Leading question. Totally. And she went, I could go <laughs> to bed. And I went, honey, what a great answer. And she went, okay, daddy, good night. And she marched upstairs and put herself mm. to bed. And I looked at my wife and went, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> One of those I, aha moments. If I tell her to go to bed, it's my idea. If I ask her questions and she self discovers that she should put herself to bed, it's her idea. She owns it. And therefore it's like inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. He couldn't just say, sell your company. They had to go really deep in in the person's mind for it to be their idea so that they would go out and start their own thing. Isn't that so funny that that we talk about the terrible twos and the the three-nager and we talk about this, but the thing is, is we we are designed to be creators. We are designed to be leaders yet we try to treat children like children. I mean, you, you want to, you want to help your kid, but you're a guide to them as a father, which then goes back to, are you even, do you have guides yourself? Are you self-leading yourself? I mean, this comes back full circle to like, pull your head out of your ass, be the dude you want to be, and then be the guide for your family. And I think, you know, the, the, Beautiful thing about the question, just go back to it for a minute, is I think some of us are so insecure because we think we, we feel like frauds because we feel like we see other people and they have all the answers. They don't. 
you know, they don't, they don't have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out either. This is about life is a journey. So give yourself some freedom to, to explore and learn and grow alongside your kids. So this is, this is interesting. I've actually never shared this publicly when I was starting this company, you know, we have, we have people that reach out to us saying like, Hey, can you bring this to our organization? Can you help us live this inside our organization? Can you help me live with this, this within my family? And I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty young dude. I'm 35 for the record. I'm younger than every client that we advise. (laughs) And I remember feeling this imposter syndrome. Like I had to have the answer. And Mm -hmm. early in starting this business, I would show up and tell people what they needed to be doing. And because of my position and because of the credibility of the book, they'd listen-ish but they didn't buy in. When I started again, surround yourself with the right people. When I surround myself with Gary, like I've watched this coaching company that he's created inside of Keller Williams. I've started to study coaching. I've studied asking great questions. I realized that the power, the ultimate power is not in having the answer. The power is in asking the right questions. And the moment that clicked for me, my confidence transformed because now like I'm, I'm using business examples just to, to, to help tie it for you. Yeah. I've never run a logistics company. I've never run a pharmaceutical company. I've never run a manufacturing company, but there's two major logistics carriers in the world. We advise one of them. There's a pharmaceutical company that came out with a vaccine for COVID. We helped them design the future of work. This steel manufacturing company, I know nothing about steel manufacturing, yet because we know what questions to ask, they search for the answers. They get the clarity that they didn't have before. I didn't have to have their answer. I just had to have their question. And I think that that is so key for fathers because as they're showing up to this, it may not be for them to get an answer it may be for them to learn how to ask better questions and then for them to realize that innately you have what it takes. And as a man, we all want to know that we have what it takes. I want to be a confident man. And when you say, I didn't have to go read a thousand books and be 80 years old to feel confident. I had to let go of having the answers and learn to ask questions, which then required me to engage in community with other people, which then boosted my confidence. Yeah. Give an example from this morning. My daughter was getting in the car so my wife could drive her to camp. And, you know, I always say, make it a great day. And if you wanted to tell them what to do, make it a great day by being a great friend. Listen to your teachers. You know, you can tell them all the things you want to do. And this morning I said, Daphne, I really hope you make it a great day today. What's one thing you can do to make that happen? And she looked at me and she said, be a good friend on the playground. Uh, And I asked her, well, what's one thing you can do that would make you a good friend on the playground? And she thought about it. And then all these answers came. I can give other people a turn on the swing before myself. If somebody falls down, I can help them up. They're her 
answers. But the most important thing is what's firing in her brain. Is she saying, if I want to be a great friend, here's how I have to show up today to be a great friend so I make it a great day. She's identifying the person she needs to become today Uh so she can come home and say, daddy, I made it a great day. And I said, I can't wait for you to get home so you can tell me what you did to make it happen. I really look forward to that conversation. Dude, that's so beautiful because you're not instilling a check it off the list mentality. You're checking off. You're not checking off anything. You're helping your daughter become who you know she is by her own convictions of what that means for her. And and let me knock myself down a few pegs here because I know what it feels like to listen to a podcast and put somebody on a pedestal. I still fall into the check the box. I said we were going to do 48 family experiences. We're behind. We need to do a family experience. Let's go for a hike. I fall into that. Of course, not perfect. And I think that's such a great point because, you know, like you said, we'll listen to this and go feel like, ah, that's so unattainable. But the reality is, is all of this is an art and a craft. And, and that's even freeing to go. There is really no arrival to any of this. Our whole life is becoming, and that's even freeing. And that's something I'm learning right now because I thought, man, I feel so much more confident at 38 years old. And, and finally, in the past couple of years with, with, with me jumping into personal development with Front Row Dads and with some other things, I've realized, whoa, everybody's on a path. There isn't better than. There's, yeah. there's just growth. This is in the one thing. I think it's the, the guy who founded judo. I mean, dedicated his life to the art of judo. On his deathbed, requested to be buried in his white belt. To signify that he had still not arrived. Wow. That he was always, that he was always a white belt. You want to know the difference between a white belt and a black belt? They don't do different strikes. They don't do different kicks. They just do them differently. Hmm. Because they've just practiced them that many times. They are on a path of mastery. Dude, that's how we should look at fatherhood. Master the craft. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Which the moment you view mastery as a journey you go on rather than a destination you arrive at, it starts to feel achievable and attainable. Hmm. Which is the dominoes. There you go. Um, Okay, dude, I got a couple more questions. I know we're coming up on the hour. But before I do, I just have to say this nugget you said is so powerful that I really want dudes to like write this on their review mirror, write it down, look at it every day. I asked you about a father. Uh, what's the role of the father? And you said, well, I'm going to answer it. The role of the leader, uh, the two words leader and father are interchangeable. And I don't know that men who have found themselves on the adventure of fatherhood look at themselves as a leader. We're in a unique time. Uh, leader doesn't mean above then, better than your wife. It, it means that you are also a leader. So I don't want men to lose sight of them having leadership. And I just, I think that you said, man, those words are interchangeable. Father and leader, that's powerful. Powerful. You just gave me an inspiration for a new deadly question. I'm writing it down. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Here's a question for you to ponder. How might I show up as a leader for my children? Hmm. 
or I'm going to flip it. Fast forward and imagine I showed up as an extraordinary leader for my children. What did that look like? Dude, go set that timer for five minutes and journal on that. I think by the time you pick up that pen, you'll notice uh, 45 minutes went by. Because what's interesting is the moment you were saying that, I had a a reel that started playing in my mind like a Mm. movie of all the places where I'm not. Mm. The times where I have my AirPods in listening to a podcast instead of being present with my kids. The times where I lose my temper with them and don't model the behavior that I want them to exude when they're emotionally challenged. Like all these things went off in my head about where I'm actually failing there. And I've also learned how to ask the right questions. The moment you ask a question, I can change your future because it's Mm. like putting on a set of lenses. Are you going to put on a set of optimistic lenses or negative lenses? If I ask, where am I failing as a leader to my children, well, great. You're going to find all those places. You're going to focus on that. That's what's going to expand. I asked a different question. I put it, even though what played in my mind was the negative, I immediately wrote down the question that would force my brain to search for the positive. How might I show up as a great leader for my children? Fast forward and imagine I am showing up as an extraordinary leader for my children. What did that look like? Hmm. That's going to, this is heliotropic effect. Things grow toward that which gives it life. It's why plants and trees grow toward the sun. So I want to ask questions that are positive based that pull my mind in that direction so I can take action in that direction. So good. Oh, Jeff. Is this episode an example of why wisdom does not equal years? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a beautiful point. It's like, I used to look at it the wrong way. I'd say, oh, Jeff's Jeff's 35 and I'm 38 and Jeff's oldest is eight and my oldest is 15. I would discredit what I could learn from you, which is only crippling myself. You're just putting a ceiling on your achievement. <sighs> that I'll this tell thing. you, Jeff, that has been a, um, a mind shift change for me in the last 18 months where to, today... So this is so cool. So um, I realized that January of 2020, and I've been working on that. Today, when you said 35, there was no insecurity that popped into my head. And I'll tell you, 18 months ago, insecurity would have popped into my head like, oh man, I should I should already be there. And dude, this is a revelation for me. I, I didn't realize that that insecurity has been conquered from, I mean, really, I'd probably say from affirmations. So I started doing the miracle morning, reading affirmations in the morning. And it was one of my affirmations built around that insecurity of feeling less than if somebody younger than me was more successful than me, which really is a stupid thing to say. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything, but, uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, um, a mentor of mine at one point asked me a question when I was complaining about how I wasn't where I wanted to be or wasn't making progress as fast as I wanted to. And he asked, why are you hating on your stepping stones? Ooh. And I asked him what he meant by that. And he said, well, it's like you started on this side of the river and you can tell you want to get to that side of the river. It's a big river. And you've got all these stones that you just got to hop from one to the next to the next. And if you keep hopping from stone to stone to stone, you're going to get to the other side, but you're hating on your stepping stones. When in fact, you should be grateful for them because they're helping get you to where you want to go. 
And that's what I've realized is it's very natural for us to, um, we see this peak and we get to it and then we just see the next one and we just, we just hate on the gap. We feel like we're meant for more. We feel like we should be at that next place and we hate on it versus celebrating the progress we made. And you can be, you can celebrate and still not be satisfied. It's okay to celebrate and it's okay to still not be satisfied, to still want more. That's natural when you are a growth oriented person. I've missed a lot of years because I hadn't made that important. <laughs> I remember when I we had a team meeting and one of my team members was presenting progress on the goal and I went, wow, congratulations. I am so pleased. And I'm still not satisfied. <laughs> and the right type of person gets that. Yeah. Yeah. People who are not wired that way probably are not meant to be on my team. Because the pro- I was explaining this to my children the other day because with this big move to Hawaii, we're, we're having these daily conversations about, okay, what are, let's reevaluate everything. What are our habits? So we're reevaluating everything, having about a half hour conversation every day. And um, one of the things I talked about with them is the beautiful thing about goals and, and what you define success as is if you are enjoying the journey, when you get to the next stepping stone, or if you want a mountain peak, when you get to the peak, all of a sudden, so so much more is possible. So on one hand, you can Too feel, further. yeah, you're not satisfied, but a lot of times we even hate on that peak, right? We hate on the peak like you talked about. And the problem with that is then you're not enjoying it. So I use the example with my daughter who's a gym because it's easy. It's like, you never used to be able to walk on a beam. Now you're walking on a beam. And, but now can you be satisfied with that? Cause she'll be very unsatisfied. Cause now she's seeing girls do cartwheels on a beam that's going to come, but before you can even walk on it. So if we don't enjoy, and I think I hadn't always modeled this well of enjoying the journey, enjoying it, because as you grow, you realize how much more is possible, which goes, you've said it like three or four times on here, your mind stretching. Yep. And how you shift their focus is through the right question. Mm. What's your daughter's name? Uh, Presley. 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 I want you to think about the progress you've made so far. I want you to reflect back to when you couldn't even walk on the beam. What did you learn about yourself on your journey so far? Uh, Presley, what are you proud of on your journey so far? What do you think you could have done better to have gotten there even faster? When you think about looking forward, what do you think you can start focusing on so that doing a cartwheel on the beam ain't no thing. Mm-hmm. Dude. Teaching her, teaching her how to think. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, the question thing is, is something I'm going to be leaning into. All right. We only have a few more minutes. So I want to ask you three things. This podcast, Fatherhood Field Notes, we've done an incredible job. You opening up your life, your journey with with family, with kids, with marriage, with the one thing. The theme, the mantra is rebel and create. And it can be applied to something small, like I'm rebelling against having my AirPods in while at the dinner table or rebelling against looking at my phone while at the dinner table so that I can create you know, great conversations with my family. 
when you think about Jeff in this season of your life or, or maybe big scale, what's something that you're rebelling against so that you can create? I'm rebelling against the status quo. I'm rebelling against um, staying stagnant. Mm-hmm. I'm rebelling against a lack of growth. You know, that's my number one core value, growth. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I am always pushing myself for how I get better. I don't always succeed. And in fact, many of the times I actually fail, but that's actually where the greatest growth is. So that's really what it comes down to is um, I'm not in competition with anybody other than myself and the version of myself yesterday. I had somebody ask me this recently because I do a two-day retreat every year for myself and, and, and put my goals. And, and she asked me, oh, isn't, it, isn't it, you know, like I'm nervous to do that because at the end of the year, you don't reach all your goals. And they were looking at, you know, how at the very beginning, like what you're saying, it's, it's okay to the fail. purpose is to achieve a result. Right, right. Versus I grew anyways because I had a goal and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not satisfied. I'm going to keep pushing, but yeah. I learned so much on the way. I remember when I was learning this, Jay asked me, how often do you think Gary reaches his goals? And I said, I don't know. And he said, never. Because the moment he realizes <laughs> he's actually on track, he raises the goal. So he's behind uh, so that he has to become a better version of himself to make up the gap. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's some gnarly life way to live. Um, oh, Jeff, man, I have so appreciated this conversation. I'm going to leave you with this last question. It's a legacy question. Yeah. So 30 years from now, you're out in the street peering into the home of your children. Your, 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 your oldest is 38 now. What is it that you see, right? So when we talk legacy, we're not talking money. We're not talking, uh, which is all good things too. But what do you see that your daily one things led that now that you're seeing your, your children, what does their life look like because of your one thing each and every day? They wake up every day and view time like it's their most valuable resource and they invest it and hold it accountable to a return. And what that practically means is when their alarm goes off, they do not check email in bed and let their mind go down a reactionary state. Hmm. They wake up and they, they do their morning routine. They, when they show up for whatever they're doing professionally, they're not reacting to every email until they go to their next meeting so that somebody can ask if they've got them in it so they can say yes. They actually have clarity on their priorities, the handful of things that they've got to do this week. So they're on track for their monthly and annual goals. Their calendar reflects those things. They don't view working long hours as success. They view it as cheating because it cheats them out of what it means to live a life, which means they show uh, up and are as efficient and as effective as possible during the hours they work. And in a pre-prescribed <laughs> time, they shut it down and they go and they live their life. <laughs> Jeff, oh man, bringing it full circle back to the time, which is what you started off with when I asked mm -hmm. you about the one thing is so crystal clear. And what's cool is you are not just going, okay, I need to say these things on a podcast. Like this is the brand. This is the philosophy. I need to make sure no, to say these it. things. There's, there's no notes in front of you. This is blood, sweat, tears, daily craft, life going after leadership. And, and we hear it. We hear the growth. And man, I just want to commend you to continue down this path, to continue to, to love your children the way you do, to, to, to help be their guide, to be there for your spouse, to be there for people. 
and to continue. I mean, 10 years from now, I'm, I'm excited to sit around and have a meal with you and hear the questions you're asking at that point, because then my mind will be even stretched and blown more. So dude, kudos to the work you've done uh, on yourself so that you could show up for other people. I appreciate that. Thank you, dude. I appreciate you and look forward to connecting with you again next time. Are you kidding me? That conversation was so powerful, impacted me deeply. I have key takeaways that I am going to be implementing and continuing to nurture and work on for my personal craft of fatherhood. I hope you feel the same. Two things for you to consider. On the One Thing website, there is a core value experience. You can go check that out to help you decide what are your core values so that as you begin to lead yourself so that you can lead your family, you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And that can't just be based on a feeling. You have to have foundational truths that are core values of how you lead your life. And that is the compass. That is the guide that Jeff was talking about. I went through the experience. It's great. Go check it out. Uh, Second, there's a spouses couples retreat for goal setting. This is huge. Go to the one thing.com, www.the, and then the number one thing.com to learn more about their event. It's coming up at the end of the year. This can be done virtually or in person. How powerful if you went to your wife and said, Hey, I want to add some direction to our life. Let's do this virtual goal setting retreat together. Go get a hotel, make it a, make it a day, make it a night. Dude, that is leading. Go for it. My friends, you have what it takes. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you haven't done so already, please like and share this. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Talk to you next time. Thank you.